0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. This is episode 60. Six zero. Oh my goodness. And tomorrow is my one year anniversary of podcasting. Holy cow. I cannot believe it's been a year. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this passion project of mine. But Oh my gosh, thank you to my 60 guests for sharing your story, giving your time, being so generous with your energy and creating this incredible community of second act actors that we've all built together. I so appreciate you. I told you, 60th episode was going to be a big one. My guest this week is Jesse Griffiths. Jesse Griffiths is a very prominent casting director here in Toronto. He casts literally everything. Film, TV, video games... Incredible, incredible library of casting he's done. He has a fantastic story. He started his career as an actor and then moved into casting. So he has the literal definition of empathy for us as actors. I hope you enjoy his incredible words of wisdom, his wonderful story and all this amazing knowledge he's about to give you from the person we need to have the biggest relationship with outside of our agents and ourselves, the casting director. Please enjoy episode 60, Jesse Griffith. story how did you get into casting how did it all start
1: oh my goodness i mean it's there's like a very long story there's a very long story with lots of like twists and turns i i feel like i don't want to bore you with that version unless you want to hear it but it just like it's too many like this person and this person and this person but um the the shortened version is I, i started out as a casting reader So like reading for auditions um, when I was still an actor. Um, And I did that for a while working with Jason Knight, who is uh, a casting director here in Toronto and an all-around wonderful person and great casting director. Um, And their uh, assistant at the time was taking off uh, to, you know, explore new endeavors and he reached out and asked if I wanted to be his assistant and it was kind of like replacing my Joe job of you know working in restaurants and bartending and all that so it was like oh it's it was steady money it was in the industry I get to watch a bunch of auditions um so I did I did that for a while with Jason while still kind of auditioning myself on the side as an actor uh and then I was like oh I feel like I need to like focus more on my acting because it was like it, it was a job job um, and, uh, I was kind of getting pulled in different directions. And so I stepped away for a little bit and really kind of went back to actively auditioning as an actor, went back to the restaurant, back to bartending, back to late nights, back to all that. Um, and then kind of like out of the blue, I got an email from Stephanie Gorin, who is another casting director in the city, like very well established, very good at what she does. Wonderful woman. Uh, And she asked her one to come and be her associate, which for those who don't know, it's like if your assistant is kind of more of an entry level casting position and then casting associate is a bit more responsibility. So she was like, come on board, be my associate. And I was like, yes, this is this is something I want to do. So I was with Stephanie for a number of years, kind of learning how she runs her office and both she and Jason you know, I have different approaches and different techniques and respond to different things. So I kind of learned two very great approaches to casting. Uh, and then people started reaching out to me to help cast their, you know, like small shorts or like low budget features. And I was starting to do that, you know, on the side, like on my weekends and evenings. And eventually I was like, is this really hard to do like a full-time job? And then there's this other, you know, little gig on the side. So I kind of was like, I'm gonna do this. Uh, and I, I stepped away from Stephanie with her complete support. And I started my own company. And yeah, I, th- I honestly, I think we're in like technically year four now of, of operation. So yeah, that's actually the short version. There's a longer version, but that's kind of how that's it. Sorry, if I was like, I'm just rambling now. But that's, that's how it works.
0: Not at all. Tell me more about you were an actor first. How yeah. did that all start? Were, were you always an actor as a kid? how did you how did you grow into that career?
1: Yeah, it was like once again, long story, short story um I yeah, I got into acting probably around grade five was when I first started getting into it, and it was really because I had moved to a new city and I didn't know anybody and the first person I met uh his dad was an actor. And he took like acting classes, you know, at the local like drama school after 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 school. And I was like, sure, like I'll give it a shot. And then kind of really liked it. So like did all this, you know student plays, and then decided to go to an arts high school in Ottawa, Canterbury, which is an incredible program. Uh, and I was like, well, this I guess we should like just keep rolling with this. And I then I applied to uh, formerly Ryerson now Toronto Metropolitan University for uh, a theater degree and. Studied, we got my BFA uh, there, and then was an actor in Toronto for yeah the better part of like ten years, kind of doing like film, TV, commercial, theater, regional theater, everything under the sun.
0: I always like asking this question because again, most of the people I have on this podcast and the people who listen had a, a career and are now trying to do acting or doing it in conjunction with their other career, and most of us had well meaning parents, loved ones, guardians when we were young who saw us do be the theater kid and then say, It's not really a good career option. You're good at it. That's great. Aren't you adorable? Maybe you should go be, you know, doctor, lawyer, police chief. Did you ever feel that from anybody growing up?
1: I, I honestly felt like nothing but support from my parents. I think that. They were they were really good about you know go do your thing like figure out what you want and very very supportive, um, yeah of what I wanted to do. Um, there was a there was a brief moment in time where I was going to go to law school, um, where I I had uh, like studied the LSATs and I'd written the LSATs and I was applying for law school, and then. A, a theater gig came around that just kind of was like, no, like, honestly, it's like, I don't think this is my world. I think that I was doing it because I, you know, I, I truly wanted to go into law because I thought I could make a difference, but I, it was definitely the best decision I ever made by not going. Cause it's not, I, I'm really happy where I'm now, but my, my dad was a, a lawyer and a, and a crown attorney. And then uh, he retired as a judge. So there was a sense of like, you know, following in his footsteps, but they were nothing but supportive of of kind of this endeavor. And they're they're avid theater goers as well. You know, they they love their Shaw and Stratford and coming. They live in Ottawa and coming down to Toronto and seeing shows here or shows at the National Arts Centre. But no, nothing but support for my parents.
0: What is it about acting and just the industry in general that you love? Like, what drew you to this industry?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I think that I am I am like a natural like like extroverted introvert like I like my like I like my alone time that's where I recharge I like being around people but I also like my own quiet time and sometimes I find with like large groups I can be like oh this is a lot like there's a lot going on and I kind of feel like I might lose my place but with theater it was an acting it was the ability like oh there's kind of a like a manual for how to explore different parts of like myself and my you know my soul and my emotions and kind of have some fun doing it so that was a really big part of it but the other part is just the people you know like the actors and you know everyone who works in the like, creative industry are just like so so inspiring so passionate so intelligent like those are the people that you know i want to surround myself with which is also why going to law school is probably a good idea that i didn't do that um no no shade towards lawyers but like i feel like these are these are kind of my people um you know often people ask you know like do you do you regret it like do you miss acting would you ever go back to it and the honest answer is like i i I love what I'm doing right now. And I feel like when you know that you're on the right path of what you're meant to do, like in this moment, you know, 10 years, who knows, but in this moment, I feel like I'm on the right path. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, a bit of uh, ease and contentment. Um, but what I, the one thing I do miss is like, I miss doing theater. Like I miss spending large chunks of time with new people, sometimes in a new city, uh, like exploring, making different connections and, and spending like really quality time uh in like a creative setting. I miss that. But I don't miss everything else. <laughs> Is that, if that's fair. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I love I like what you said and I it resonated it resonates with me and I know other people about like the energy of yeah, not just the people, but just like the industry in general and being creative i think that's that's a big vein that's traveled through all these episodes that i've done so far about what was missing from a career prior that they were realizing they had kind of in childhood was that the energy of those creative people but also the just creativity in in general and feeling like mm-hmm. they weren't doing that or aren't doing that in their job and they miss it yeah. and it's i love what you said about the sense of ease Cause there's that unease when you know you're not on the right path, but you don't really know until you know Mm -hmm. what ease feels like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's exciting. I think.
1: Yeah. You know, and there, there was a a part of me that was, you know, it's actors are so, so tenacious and so Mm hardworking and like, I just have so much respect for them. But what I was kind of coming to terms with when I decided to make that transition is like, Oh, am I, am I, am I quitting? Am I a failure? Am I letting people down? Like those things were coming into my head. And, and I, I just realized I had to make the choice for myself. Um, and, and try something, try something new, you know, because I had done this thing for so long. Well, you know, relatively long period at that point, that's all, it's all I knew. So there was also, like, fear and, and trepidation about, yeah, trying something new. But when I did it and then, you know, when I kind of told people that this is what I was going to be doing, honestly, the the outpouring of support was overwhelming. Like, it was just, mm-hmm. like, people were like, yeah, that sounds right. This is what you should do. And I was like, oh, like, of course. Like, my friend's not going to judge me for trying something new. The acting community is not going to be mad because I left. They're probably like, good, one less person to worry about. But it was truly nothing but, like, support. And still, uh, you know, I feel feel so supported by the acting community, you know, mainly here in Toronto.
0: Toronto being, uh, I'm going to say a bit unique. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you've been in Toronto longer than I have. It's such a new industry compared to, like, a juggernaut, L.A., New York. So... There has to be a feeling of support. There has to be a feeling, and there has to be actual support. I think for the actors within the within Toronto and the everyone else in the industry, casting, directing, writing, whatever. Because if we don't support each other, and this sounds very woo, but if we don't support each other, like we won't mature from the baby industry we are to what we want to be. I would assume, like an LA with a star system and all that stuff. You, you can't you can't make it as an industry unless you all are together being like, yeah, let's support each other doing this.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, like the arts community in Toronto runs like deep and long and like a a historic amounts of, of work have been done here. And I think that I actually think that we're becoming a juggernaut. Like right now, the amount of work that's happening in this city you know, in, talk, in terms of like support, like it's actually becoming difficult to support the amount of work being done here, which is like in a, in a great way. You know, it's why we're expanding like studio space. It's why we're trying to draw, you know, great crew. Um, but like the, the talent in Toronto can rival any other major city. And I think we're just kind of like, you know, I think we're just kind of at the precipice of really seeing what what our city can do on the global stage. But it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, as I said, Toronto has some of the best actors in the world.
0: So I'm seeing, there's a parallel between, I'm going to bring in my, my agent a little bit here because I interviewed her. So my Ritter is my agent from Ritter Talent. Yeah. She was an actor prior to becoming an agent. Mm-hmm. Similar story to yourself. So I think you have a unique perspective because you can literally feel empathy for actors. Tell me about, now, in casting, how that works, looking at these actors being like, "I know what you're going through. I'm here for you. Tell me about that change.
1: yeah, I mean it's you know when i when I first started, I was just very hyper aware of like the audition process and and how we treat actors in that in that process from uh choosing the audition material to give them enough time to actually prepare that material to making sure they have enough time in the room to feel, um, their time is valued and they're valued and heard and seen. Um, I think that I, f- I think and feel that my experience as an actor has allowed me like, has given me the vocabulary to kind of properly communicate things that, mm-hmm. you know, in an audition setting that I might want to try. Um, and as allowed me to kind of see like, who I respond to as performers in terms of like really great performances or performances that might need a little, you know, uh, spit shine just to kind of get them up there. Um, That being said, like what's been difficult is COVID. It's been zoom sessions. It's been self tapes. So like part of the fun job as a cast director is like seeing actors every day and working with them and feeding off their energy. And it's a collaborative process. So that's been really difficult to make that shift where, you know, we might not be able to be as supportive in the room or give the redirects we want because we don't have that that opportunity to do so. So but I do remember going and having auditions as an actor. I'm like, they're not even looking at me. Or, you know, like <laughs> it's it's what are we doing here? Uh and and that's not all casting directors. I think in general the casting community is very supportive here in Toronto and truly wants the best, but it is always hard as an actor when your job is to go and audition and face rejection day after day, uh, you know, what other profession does that? Uh, and it's hard. So those are things I always kind of take in mind and, and, and try to remind myself when doing a zoom session or having self tapes or, you know, when we do get in-person auditions, but yeah, it's important that uh, we're, we truly are there to help each other. Like it's not, it's not the cast, but like trying to give someone an opportunity. Like, you know, we've heard this before, but we are, we are desperate for good actors because good actors make us look good. So, mm-hmm. you know, when someone comes in and crushes it, it's the best thing. When you have five people who crush it, you're like, awesome. When you have a full day of auditions, like, I don't know if we found the person, like that's terrifying, <laughs> you know? Um, Cause it is, you know, a results driven industry and you want to make sure you're putting, you know, your best foot forward by putting the best actors forward.
0: And I think that was something that I know I didn't know, because I didn't go to film or theater school about, (laughs) about casting. And I know you probably hear this all the time. And I've probably preached this about how, you know, casting directors are on your side, right? We want we want to find the best person. We're here to support you. But there's a weird division between casting and actor. And there's like the actor for some reason feels like it's a fight. And so, and again, as somebody who is learning about this industry, and that's why I like doing these episodes with industry people like yourself, is because it, most of my listeners are still learning about the industry. So, can you take me through a day? Like your day in casting, like what does that look like? What do you do?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that what I I think what I love about it is every day, every day truly is really different. So I work with a fantastic team, um, and you know, I won't go into like my personal morning routine, but essentially <laughs> be- before before their day starts at ten. You know, I'm reviewing, I'm going through all our emails. I'm I we have a great like kind of project management software that allows us to delegate tasks. So I'm going through and seeing what needs to be done for the day. And you know, a lot of the job is like logistics and scheduling and making sure the right people are in the right place at the right time. But for example, like right now we have maybe like five or six projects on the go and they're all at various stages of the casting process. So Sometimes it's reading scripts and prepping a breakdown. Uh, Sometimes it's prepping the sides uh, or prepping offers for approval to get approved by our producer before they go out or negotiating contracts with actors. We do want to book uh, requesting self tapes, watching self tapes, uh, following up on all the emails that are coming in with, uh, you know, requests for scheduling changes. Um, It's, yeah i mean i'm just like looking at my inbox like ticking up as we talk it's all these things that are kind of coming in but there's no there's no there's no typical day in casting
0: Hi, everyone. Janet McMorty here. This week's episode is sponsored by Shaw Insurance and Financial Services Incorporated. If you are looking for someone to help you with your short and long-term financial goals, retirement and estate planning, or corporate and life insurance and investing, give Mitchell Shaw at Shaw Insurance Financial Services Incorporated a call today. Everybody, this guy is the real deal. He is my financial guy mine. I trust him with my hard-earned money. He understands artists. He's a creative like us. He likes improv and video games. He is not your parents' finance guy. He understands you as a creative and how important your hard-earned money is. He also understands that a lot of us didn't go to finance planning school. (laughs) I went to medical school. I know how to do medical things. I don't know anything about money. A lot of you went to theater school and don't know anything about money, and that's fine. That's why he exists. He understands you and your creative brains. Give him a call. 705-325-2511. Together, you and Mitch will review your current financial picture and establish a plan to achieve your short and long-term goals. This is for Ontario residents only. Give him a call. Mitchell Shaw is his name. He's my finance guy. He's fantastic tell him I sent you. 705. Yes, it's a 705 area code. He's up north here with me. 705-325-2511. Get your finances in order. Money is important for society. We don't have a barter system. You cannot barter your acting skills. I wish we could. How can actors? How can we make your job easier?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, when we put out auditions, we try and be like very clear with what we might want in terms of like a slate. Uh, so, like following the basic instructions is the best thing, you know. If we put it in there, it's because we need it for some reason, you know. When we do, when we do a cross-country uh, search for video game casting and we say we want name height and location and they just give us their name It means that means we have to go track down their height and location which you know if we're putting out lots of auditions it's just a lot of extra work so it's like the basics like basics basic stuff like that um but also like on the creative side how to make it easier it's like show me show me who you are as an actor you know i think that a lot and i've said this many times before but i feel like I feel like often people show me what they think we want to see as casting directors. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't allow me to see who you are as a performer. And mm-hmm. so, you know, casting and auditioning, it's like a long game. Like you are playing a long game. And so while you might be able to like fake one bias by pretending to be someone you're not for your first audition, like that's fine and you might book it. But if you're, if you want to play the long game, like over time, every time I audition you, Show me something new. Show me a different part of yourself. Show me a different color of yourself so that I get a better sense of what you can do as a performer, as an artist. And then the spectrum for possibilities just, like, explodes because, like, I have a better sense of who you are. So that's, that's something you can do to make our jobs easier. Get yourself tapes in on time. Get yourself tapes in on time. Communicate with your agent if you're, not, if you're booking out somewhere. Like those things. Like if you're taking off for vacation, which you should, I think everyone needs vacation, hundred percent. But just let us know. Let us know. Um, I mean, what else? Don't just cancel a self tape because you can't make the deadline. Ask for an extension. Personally, we'll either say yes or no, but ask. Yeah, if, if life comes up, if there's an emergency, if you're not able to do it. If you have kids, if you have a job, if you're out of town, just just ask for an extension and we'll say yes or no. That's me. I should have prefaced this entire conversation is just how we operate. And I don't want to speak for all casting directors, but I feel, I feel that's a good rule of thumb.
0: Something I'm curious about you mentioned, cause you've had different mentors throughout your career and you had mentioned how each casting director works differently and you get to see you know, you kind of get to pick and choose what you like from each casting director. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Like, not into specifics about, like, this casting director is like this. But I didn't really realize how different each casting director is. Like, And I know it's probably based on project. But, yeah, tell me more about that, the different variations.
1: Yeah, I think that without going to, like, specifics, I think, like, the two major things that I, I saw... Um, one is just like workflow, like in terms of information, emails, like the actual like nuts and bolts of running an office. Um, and I, and I'm not going to go into specifics just out of like consideration for my two mentors, but they both just logistically operate different just in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, keeping like you know, just the, the housekeeping of the office, they operated very differently. And I kind of, picked and chose the things I was like, Oh, I like this. This works for me. Just how my brain actually kind of processes large amounts of information. I, I'm, I'm being intentionally vague cause I don't want to give away how they do their thing. But that was important for me in terms of, of, you know, we're dealing with lots of information, tight timelines, deadlines, you know, calls, emails, clients. It's important to stay organized. So organizational tools were one thing that I kind of, it was a takeaway for me. And then, you know, I think that, and I don't think I'm speaking out of term, but, you know, every casting director, you know, if they're good with which, uh, you know, Jason and Stephanie are very good at what they do, they can find good talent and they can seek it out. Um, and their ability to work with actors was different but incredible, uh, you know, in terms of like, giving notes and putting them at ease and working with them. Um and also, you know, they, I could I could see, like, who are the actors that they were naturally drawn to, uh, just that they would think of these actors when we're casting something that might not have been submitted. Like, their, their repertoire of Toronto talent is, like, similar but also different in terms of, like, they might, you know, I don't want to say their go-tos, but people that they would, you know, that they really liked working with. Mm. So, that was kind of some of the differences. But, you know, they've both been in the industry for a long time. And they certainly know what they're doing. So, it's not... I wouldn't say one is better than the other at all, just different. And that's kind of, that was a lot of fun to see.
0: Something just clicked in my brain about, you know, like casting directors having their go tos. And we always hear about like the rumored blacklist. But for actors just starting out, how, especially those of us who don't come from a, we don't have our, are people, right? Cause you make your people in your schooling or you make your people in your early career and you're trying to build your people around you now through classes and stuff like that. How, or do you have any advice for newer actors or people coming at this later in life to make an impression? <laughs> Good and bad.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I know I don't have a, I don't have a blacklist. I don't, I actually don't think anyone really has a blacklist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that to make a, an impression, like anytime you have an audition, it's an opportunity to make an impression. So, you know, treat those uh, kind of like with like the respect and weight they should. I don't want to put like more pressure on anyone auditioning, but that's, that is your calling card. You're as good as your last audition. I think that, you know, we can all acknowledge as casting directors. We know, I, I know incredible actors who have just had bad auditions and it doesn't mean I won't see them again. I just like know that oh, they were having maybe a bad day or a bad week, or they didn't have time to prepare, or maybe this role doesn't like sit well with them, so they they don't feel comfortable kind of embodying it. Um, so I think auditions are really important. I think that uh, an actor's relationship with an agent is really important in terms of them pushing them at the appropriate time to be seen for a part. Um, And an agent's relationship with casting is really important as well. You know, there are, you know, I I would hope that I have a good relationship with everybody, every agent in the city, but there are certain agents whose opinion I really truly value. So if they, if they're telling me to take an extra look at this person, you know, I, I probably will. Um, But just logistically, it's so hard to, accept every single push or every single recommendation or else, you know, we wouldn't get anything done. So that's also the struggle is, you know, you're working on projects sometimes and you get hundreds of submissions for, for a role. And you're thinking like, how can I possibly whittle this down to a point that, you know, I don't have anxiety about missing somebody, you know, that, which is like a, I, a, a, a real thing. I, I worry that I'm like, well, what if I miss this act and they're perfect for it? So, it can be stressful.
0: That is really interesting. Because I think the the same anxiety, as you would know, being an actor before exists in the acting community, right? Like, oh, they're just going to watch the first five seconds of my tape. But the good meaty stuff happened 40 seconds down the road. And they're going to miss how great I am. That's so interesting to hear. And I don't mean to be like, great, we all have anxiety. But it's so interesting to hear it from the other side. It's almost a relief, sorry. Yeah, no. Like, oh. Of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, as I said, it's still a, like, results-driven, you know, profession. Mm-hmm. I still have to produce. So that stress is there. Um, I'm just thankful it's not on me to, like, <laughs> to do the acting anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, no, I mean, you know, yeah, watching self-tapes, it, uh, you know, like, that's pretty much become my evenings and weekends these days is just watching mm-hmm. self-tapes. Self-tapes, self-tapes, self-tapes.
0: And I know you get asked this all the time. What makes a self tape stand out?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think like the short answer is like, technically it needs to be good in terms of, again, at an industry standard, we're all doing self tapes now. So, you know, you don't need to spend thousands of dollars on equipment, but you need to have decent lighting, a decent camera, a neutral backdrop, uh, your camera at eye level. You really should have a reader. I know that it's like, it's become so tricky asking friends, family, neighbors, loved ones to be a reader, but that's really important. Making sure that the reader is standing on the other side of the actual microphone of whatever device you're using. So we don't hear the leaders, the reader's voice booming, follow whatever instructions casting is giving you in terms of slates and framing. It's really important. That's just the technical stuff. And that's just like, I want to say, the non-negotiable, like that's kind of what's expected now from a good tape. Uh, and then to stand out, it is kind of as we said before: showing me who you are as an actor, show me your choices, show me how you think. Um, that's that's what I want to see.
0: You cast a lot of really interesting projects and from different avenues of entertainment, right? Video game, voiceover, film, TV. What are the differences that you notice for? each type like i know you know as somebody who's done a lot of mocap training like that type of audition is so different than a like film audition where there's so much movement versus not um are there any other differences that are pretty stand out from each different entertainment avenue you work with
1: um well i mean if we separate just like theater like live performance from anything that's recorded i think like I think we kind of all know the the difference between you know maybe a more heightened sense of play and you know awareness and a need and ability to fill a space if you're working on like live performance. But I will say like for the most part, you know what I love about mocap and auditioning for video games is it it is very it is actually very 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 similar to auditioning for film and TV mm. in the sense like you have. Uh, a camera, which is a fixed point, And depending on the frame, you're either going to get a full body shot or a three quarter, like shoulder up shot. And what I love about it is that uh, it is a bit more heightened. It isn't actually an element of like theater coming to play where the body needs to be active. Um, but what happens and what happens a lot is we, we give kind of these instructions for our mocap auditions to keep the body alive, keep it moving but what happens sometimes is people go like too far. They feel like their body always has to be doing something crazy, and if it's not justified in the text, it just looks weird. So there is something uh, that has to maintain like a lie. Just think of like an energy kind of flowing through you, and it's the same for uh, the the biggest thing as well as like the face. So you know if you if you're doing a traditional like film and TV you know audition, there's a stillness. There are people listening. The eye contact with the reader is really important. But if you've ever played a video game with one of those characters and they're just like standing still, if their face isn't moving just a little bit, if they're not having that kind of like body flow through you, they look dead, you know, and it doesn't play. So, you know, if you are kind of interested in auditioning for video games, you have to play video games. You have to like just try it out and see like what this difference is. And and really, it's just it's just a bit it's a bit more heightened. Is probably the best way I can say it. Um, you're not trying to reach the person in the back row at the Stratford Festival, but you you need to make sure that your body is alive. Um, and so, what's fun is a lot of the time, you know, we're we're responding to actors with theater training, with movement training, clown experience, improv, who have a good sense of like their body. Um, and so it, it allows me to see some really great actors, too, when I ever when I get to audition for, for video game stuff.
0: I will never forget the very first mocap class I ever took. And all the, they taught us for, like, an hour was how to stand with, like, subtle movement. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't understand this. This is before I started playing a lot of video games. And then my sister, who's a big gamer, was like, well, yeah, if you're just standing really still, I'm going to, like, push the reset button because I think the video game froze.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's
0: nothing to do with performance. It's actual technical. The player is going to be like, excuse me, I'm pushing the A button. Are you moving? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting. Totally. So interesting. So cool. You do a ton of work, I've noticed, with diversity, inclusion. Um, I know you have a BIPOC uh, night. Can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, you know, I think that, I, I, think that I, I, it's kind of twofold. So when I started working in casting, I just was very aware that, you know, we're not, you know, we're called gatekeepers as casting directors a lot of the time. I don't really like love that term, but I understand where it comes from that for some people we feel like we're a barrier or a point of entry into, you know, the industry or an audition or booking a job. And I was aware that, you know, with that type of position does come a fair amount of responsibility. Uh, And I wanted to just make sure that as a casting director working in the city of Toronto, that I had a good sense of, you know, the talent that was out there and to focus on providing opportunities for everybody. In order to do that, I also need to start knowing who they were as performers. And so that's kind of where, you know, our, uh, our monthly kind of workshop Program came from, and we do it. We do it once a month, and it's still over Zoom. But it's an opportunity for people to kind of come and collect and and learn from each other, and also learn from industry professionals and 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 grow. and And it gives me the opportunity, like, to meet new faces. and And you know, that's what we're always doing as cast and directors is looking for new actors for new possibilities. So it was just really important to me. And then, kind of, you know something at the same time I just had some really fun projects that were coming my way from uh, diverse writers from actors of uh, you know different lived experience than mine that we connected and we had like a mutual respect for and yeah and I think that what's fun about this job is like if you you know it's a small industry so if you're if you're working with like really creative people and it goes well then they recommend you to other people. And so that's kind of what happened is we've had an opportunity to work on some really exciting projects uh, with a focus on with a focus on diversity. Uh, and then I try and take that into, you know, all the work that I do because it's, uh, it's an important part of our industry and it's an important part of the stories we tell. Um, and I also just know that, you know, as a cis white man, I need to surround myself with people that diff- with different experiences so that I can learn and grow and do a better job. Um, as a casting director,
0: do you have any favorite memories in your career? Oh my
1: goodness! Favorite memories? I think like oh goodness. So as you know, like we don't we don't decide who gets cast. You know that's not our job. Our job is to put forward like recommendations. Um, and there's just been a, a, a couple of instances where I've put forward recommendations and they haven't. Been uh, not accepted. They're like, yeah, this person's okay, or or you know whatever it is, not right for the part. And I like, I adamantly believe that they are right for the part. And there's, I've I've only done it a couple of times, but where I've like really fought for an actor because I think that they were the right person, mm-hmm. and then they got the job, and then everyone's like, yes, they're the perfect person for it. It's just really rewarding, and it's very validating, you know, for your own ego and your own self esteem. Like, oh yeah, I can, I, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. Every now and then, that's really fun. Um, the joy of like booking actors is always fun, and that never kind of goes away. Because I remember what the call was like when I would pick up my phone. It's an agent. Like when it when the phone rang, it was like that's a job. You know, so that was always really exciting. I've been really, you know, I really like to go see some of my films at at festivals around the world, and that's been really fun, to watch your work being screened by other people and sharing in the joy of, like, these creators who poured their heart and soul into something and now are able to kind of watch the fruits of their labor on screen. So, that's been great. I remember getting my very first, like, video game, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so much fun. (laughs) What are they thinking? (laughs) yeah lots of lots of great memories it's, and it's been fun just kind of watching watching my team grow and people come in the office and go off to explore new avenues and really getting to collaborate with some really great people.
0: Do you have anything you're looking forward to coming up this year?
1: It's like early I mean we're look, working on a lot of really fun projects right now. Um, there are a few like feature scripts which are in the works uh, and it's still probably early days to talk about it, but some really exciting stuff is coming.
0: Do you have any final words of wisdom or words of advice?
1: I think that what I, you know, I do a lot of like chats at at theater schools and training programs, working with like young uh, performers, like entering the industry. And this is something that's always been very important to me, but it is like truly like watching out for your own like mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the industry can feel like all consuming and that all your energy needs to go into being an actor and I would just argue that like you, you need to have a balanced lifestyle. You know, it can't be it can't be everything for you. Um, I want to see a well-rounded person who has lived experience, who might have traveled, who worked different jobs, who surround themselves with different people, who you know will will pick up a book and read, you know, or who are able to take time off when they need to. Um, taking care of yourself mentally and physically is really important and it will serve you in the long run. Surround yourself with people who aren't actors, you know, let them keep you grounded as well. Meet new people. Um, Don't be afraid to take time off if you need to. Like we're not going anywhere. Feel People think that I have to keep their foot on the gas all the time to get momentum. And yeah, you might lose a job or two, who knows, but you know, you might come back actually like refreshed and ready to hit the ground running this is from a personal experience too the last three years i haven't really had like a vacation i was like i can feel myself getting burnt out and then i won't do a good job for you know my team or my clients or myself and time off relaxing recharging is important find a hobby like find something that takes you away brings you to somewhere else keeps you physically active that's my like that's my big advice take care of yourself First
0: and foremost. Do you mind if I ask you one more question? Because something you just said there made me think about it. I don't mind at all. Yeah. So the biggest thing that, and I know I'm being a bit thinking of myself here. Um, Sure. But it's what I've heard from other other actors in similar situations to myself. So like, I didn't go to theater school. I didn't go to film school. I went to medical school. And so there's this feeling of I'm behind and need to catch up right? Because Mm -hmm. I don't have the connections. I don't have the training. I don't have the fancy diploma that says I went to this film school or theater school. And so there's, yeah, there's always this feeling of needing to catch up and I'm behind. And also, you know, I'm older, right? But I think a lot of times what we forget is what exactly what you said is that everything that we've been doing in our lives is not it's lived experience, right? That will contribute to our careers as actors in whatever way, shape, or form a career looks as somebody who wants to be an actor, whether it's community theater or whatever. There's a forgetting that everything we've been doing up until now is still important and can contribute. Yeah. Is there anything else that you've noticed? And I don't mean one is better than the other at all between actors who've been only actors and did the theater school and actors who are doctors, lawyers, police chiefs who said, oh, now I want to do this. I'm going to try and do this. Are there any differences that you notice?
1: I mean, it's a really good question. I just like to backtrack. I think that you just mentioned something. I think it's important to like flag is that maybe a second piece of advice I would have for people is like, you you can't compare yourself to others. Mm. You know, and like we do it all the time and it's not healthy. (laughs) So in terms of, you know, that someone else is ahead or behind or whatever it is, it's for me, that's just a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. And like you are, you are where you are right now. There are things you can do in terms of taking classes or, you know, working on your home self tape setup or, you know, expanding your community. Like those are, there are things you can do. But you can't, like, catch up to someone who's been on their own path. Mm.
0: Mm. So
1: it's just, like, it's just reminding, like, and it's something I've dealt with, too, like, very actively, like, oh, I feel like I should be somewhere else right now. It's like you are where you're, you are right now. So you can either kind of accept that or freak out if there's nothing you can do about it, and that's not healthy. So just loop back on that. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your question, I know actors who have, you know, spent, their entire lives in, uh, in training classes, theater school, film school, whatever it is. Uh, and then I don't know actors who've done no training at all. And you can have actors in both camps that are, are brilliant and actors in both camps that are maybe less than brilliant. Um, I just don't, some people just kind of have that thing and whether their thing took them to a school when they were younger or not. Uh, I think that kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, the greatest like kind of power and gift you have is like the, the awareness of who you are as a person and what that is going to bring to the role. So yeah, if you were, you know, if you are a cop for 20 years and now you want to try acting cool, like you've got some lived experience you can tap into now, whether you're able to tap into it in a way that can be, you know, repeated for four or five takes, mm-hmm. maybe you need some training on that or just a general awareness of how a set works. Um, but I think that's what's kind of fun about our industry is we can kind of be a catch-all for everybody mm-hmm. you, and you might have just a different trajectory and a different timeline, but if you're comfortable with your own going at your own pace, still challenging yourself, still trying to learn and grow, but being content with where you're at, I think that will serve you better than trying to catch up or compare or wish you had gone to school X Y or Z. <laughs>
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Jesse, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for taking the time out of I know you're very busy schedule and sharing all your incredible knowledge about the world of casting and advice for us actors, especially as second act actors. A lot of us who are just starting out, I really, really appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 60. As I said, tomorrow is my one-year anniversary of podcasting. If you are following me and Second Act Actors on social media, please join us tomorrow, that Saturday, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I am going live with Madeline DeCorso. Madeline DeCorso was my guest on episode one. So one year ago, tomorrow that's when the first episode came out. So we are going to recap everything that has happened to us in this past year, and it's been a pretty exciting year. So a little homework for you. Take a listen to episode one. Oh, God, guys, episode one seems like so long ago. Take a listen, get to know Madeline, and I hope you'll join us tomorrow. So that's Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're going live on Instagram, Madeline and I we're going to catch up. Please join us. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode, starting year two. Thank you for joining me. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadoer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancy's, judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!